If you want it, make me give it to you. Use the voice. Mom, I just woke up. Welcome to the Dune Girls podcast, hosted by Eugenia and Alex. Episode 3, Settling the Score. How do you guys usually start? We just we usually just say we're going to start. We're going <laughs> to cool. start. Welcome. Welcome to Dune Girls. Welcome to Dune Girls episode three. Yes. Welcome back. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. We had a little hiatus and we're returning yes. now with our the culmination of our trilogy. The, the father, the, son, holy ghost, the holy ghost yes. of our Dune film uh, the, discussion. <laughs> yes. First, we really, we just killed it before anything. So we kind of had the ghost at the beginning. Right. Uh, I would say I now it's, it's the son. So we need to introduce our guest, Austin. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Hi. So. We just want to bring it out first and foremost. We have with us somebody who liked the Dune movie. Uh, yes. Alleg- yes. Allegedly. He likes Dune and the movie. He, am, he, yeah. He's an enigma. He's I supposedly. Tell, I don't know what to tell you. He's read the books, apparently. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've gone through all of the books many times. I have a Bene Gesserit tattoo. Mm, yeah yeah so that's fully legit i'd only like a chance to make you guys like the movie a little more and i think it would be nice if you guys make me like the film a little less like it'd be a it'd be a health i think that's a healthy uh a healthy way to do it the best deal is where everybody walks away just a tiny bit disappointed (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do think that here we are, you know, trying to fold in some diplomacy, some more mm-hmm. egalitarian cuz I mean, this film has ended up being pretty popular, right? Yeah. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like we've already gotten we know that there's going to be a sequel. I'm a sort of I'm sad about that. <laughs> I'm aware I'm aware of how you both feel about the sequel announcement. Yes. Uh but we know that it's happening. Uh so we thought, you know, in the first episode we kind of we discussed gatekeeping a little bit and uh-huh. and now we're trying Which to you guys aren't a- doing well <laughs> we're trying maybe. to like step aside from the gate a little bit and maybe let you like look through it yeah yeah do you know, Just, you, know? you guys aren't gatekeeping you're showing what's inside the gate and being like see it's not good you don't want to go not in. for you who is playing <laughs> i kind of think there was this weird energy that made Alex and I like just our concentrated sense of like we knew that we hated this movie yeah like even before we'd seen it and that we needed to come together with this energy and create this podcast and create all this content (laughs) and then we're gonna continue to make this podcast and and make it an informative fun show about Dune um but we I feel like a lot of the momentum was because it was like, oh my God, this is about to be like a thing mm-hmm. and we're going to have to like yeah. fend off like the masses or whatever. Well, I mean, I mean, you guys wanting to take part 
in something that you've already studied and loved for a while now, and then for it to be culturally relevant in a time for the mass market and at a time when people are desperate for anything to remember that we didn't just lose a year and a half to COVID. You know, yeah. so point. that's a good point. Yeah, it's 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 the eighth highest grossing film of the year. And oh, that doesn't really? seem, yeah, that doesn't seem like it's very high. But you also have to remember, like, there was a James Bond film re- released this year. There's yeah. been there's been some moderately high end films getting released. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even with studios that are that are dumping to streaming, you know, this film has an 89 uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, which is certified fresh. And in the audience score, which is usually the better <sighs> metric, it's at 92 or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Hey, I, I listen, I understand why you guys feel the way you feel. But the truth is, is that it's in terms of a studio film, it's a hit. You know, it, it's it's something that Warner Brothers is probably going like, OK, that was good. That was better than <sighs> what happened to Blade Runner 2049, which is like, it's, you know, it was a film that was hugely reviewed, but. Just nobody wanted to go to the theater to see it, which made no sense because every time somebody went and saw it, they walked down and were like, I can't believe that movie exists. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking great. It kind of feels like the equivalent, though, of like, oh, here you can have some ramen noodles and they'll be like, you'll be you'll have your nutrition and you'll have energy your, your salt versus like, here's this, you know. $500 tasting menu with like, you know, Wagyu beef or whatever. And just the most decadent, beautiful, complex dishes. It's like, so, no, here's so, your ramen. So I'm a, Is it the, I'm, the I'm the a plebeian with like the, the little pieces of carrot. And yeah, yeah. I would say uneven. no, it's in the package because that's the shittier kind because you don't even have Jesus. a receptacle. <laughs> Eugenia's like, Austin, you are you are the equivalent of a plebeian Taco Bell. Like, <laughs> just like, like, she's like, I'm a $500 tasting menu and you're and a number you're seven literal with garbage. chicken and a Coca-Cola, you trash person. No, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, they have Pepsi products. Even they like, do. So I talk hey, about hey. it's like ramen dune for the masses, and then it you isn't. Know what? It's it's funny that you say that because you know, I guess I guess a decent analogy would be that like the film is kind of like the mashed potatoes, peas and carrots, beef stew of like what you would expect from something like a thick text like Dune, especially mm-hmm. especially with the fact that you know Dune is not. Dune is not a book about any one thing. It's a Dune. Dune is about like legitimately every concept Everything. that makes human beings what they are. It's about the ecology. Yeah. It's about the politics. It's about the idol worship. It's about religion. It's about drugs. It's about conquerors. It's about serfs. It's it. You know, you could make 50 movies out of that one book. Um, yeah. You know, we just happened to get Denny Villeneuve's version of it, which is Shepherd's Pie. I, yeah, he picked he picked just the parts that would probably make a Michael Bay film just as fat, but also make a, you know, Gore Verbinski or like a, any other film, the same materials would have been good. They would have been, they would have worked. I do think though that we, okay. So we, we do obviously have different opinions about the quality of this film. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what, so when you first started, so when you, 
we're watching it. I, I just want to get your temperature on the opening quote because oh, that was okay. that was the thing that both that Alex set and it I, off for both of us. Like yes, yeah, no, set I, the tone I for I remember uncomfortable disappointment. Like just yeah, because it didn't, it wasn't from Dune. Dreams are messages from the deep. <laughs> um you know, I mean it's difficult because you don't know what an artist's intention really is most of the time. Like, you know, whatever, whatever Denis did when he was, you know, that was probably something that was done in the edit. Uh, so sure. there's, a, you know, there's a chance that for him, you know, he probably had this vision of like, uh, I know for a fact that in the film, what he was looking for was uh, no mid angle shots. Everything is in the extreme. It's either an extreme wide or an yeah, extreme. Yeah, We talked up. about how we did not like that. Well, medium. Um, I want to be shot in medium. I want to have some. I want to have some idea of where I am in space. Right. You want like you want better coverage. I get it. It's just it's just that I think for him, the establishment of what the next part of the film will be was essential. That to, it was essential to him. I think that he was creating this kind of like dreamlike experience where everything is kind of in its extremes. You know, the music is always there. The music is yeah. always extreme. The cinematography I, is always wide or it's close or it's intense. You know, when you go I, back, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I mean, I, I I wouldn't expect you to have an answer for this, but but I would then counter that by saying like, sure, like you can have this weird surreal situation where you're making things just a little bit different and uncomfortable for the viewer. Um, because we're trying to replicate like a state where we have like very little control. Um, but then I would say like, well, why didn't we make the spice, which is like the most psychedelic kind of material in the entire universe? Like, why didn't, why wasn't that like a central part of, I guess that's for me. And I, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, I, I think like, well, they don't want to have like a drug thing. Cause then that would, that would like maybe hinder the mass appeal, right? You don't want to have like a movie. But how do you make a movie about a drug without <laughs> having the drug? Like the well, spice what they is did. integral to literally every, right? everything. It, it, and not even just in the drug way that we're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. like as a psychedelic experience or enhancement to your, you know, mental capacities yeah. or consciousness, but- it has so many other facets like, yeah, well, you know, spices, spices, the currency of the universe. It's the only <laughs> thing that allows, you know, so much so that in the Dune universe, uh, the, the epoch for change is BG and AG, you know, before guild and after guild, the moment that the guild became part of the entire system, the lands rat was created. Uh, that's mm -hmm. when Shaddam was able to, you know, people forget that like uh, the Atreides, you know, they're, they're, their traditions are passed down from Greece and Rome. And, yeah. uh, and as a matter of fact, you know, the first tech, technically the first Atreides to take any higher level political gain, he was a Sardaukar. You know what I mean? Oh, the one of yeah. the, or the original, uh, the Duke just before, uh, uh, Leto Leto's first. dad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, oh my gosh. But he, his somewhere yeah. down the line, his, a Sardaukar warrior was an Atreides. And he showed some sort of great valor. I forget, it's in the encyclopedia, but he shows some sort of great valor and was gifted by one of the emperors after the, uh, after just as the, I think just as the Lance Rat was coming together. So mm -hmm. the Atreides was built off of like this idea that like, 
this warrior went above and beyond. And so right. they were gifted like a, like an oath of fealty, like, Oh, here's, right. here is a part of the kingdom because we have so much kingdom now, you know, but right. Melange, you know, Melange is also, it's also, you know, the geriatric spice it's, it extends your life. Um, it mm-hmm. opens up your mind to different things. It's, it's an essential piece of existence. It's, it's the omeprazole for uh, your day-to-day heartburn, you know, like it's, you can't, you can't continue without it. And once you begin an addiction to it, it's the most essential thing in your life in terms of like, what's, uh, you know, what's keeping you afloat in the universe. So, so, so yeah, why wasn't that so in why, the movie? So, so yeah, why don't they ever mention fucking any of that? <laughs> Like that, it's like so frustrating to me and to Alex. I know yeah, uh, very much so. And it seems like, like you, yeah. Go ahead. No, no Wait, there's it seems like no, I what? No mention of it, and it. Why? I think yeah. this. Go, I think this goes to the uh, the concept of like exposition. You know, in films, like uh, good exposition, you don't notice. It's the it's the kind of thing where it's like. If, if a film is communicating to you through exposition, mm-hmm. uh, if it's obvious, it's far less entertaining. And, and um, I've talked about this before, but like in horror movies, you know, the worst part of any horror movie, the thing that turfs a horror movie is when you, when the dad is trying to figure out what, why is it, what's happening to my kid? And he like finds a symbol and he takes the symbol to the local college and the local college <laughs> professor is like, this is the symbol of the gagabul. That it's sounds a, like sinister. That well, like, it, I think I think I literally stole that concept sinister. from it. it but is it's that with sim- Ethan Hawke? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, so I, I did I, literally I, steal it. There's nothing worse than Vincent D'Onofrio being like, "Here are the rules and the yeah. regulations <laughs> of the film." In case you were curious about what you should do. Okay, but I think that there's there is a space between like doing that and then, but also like being able right. to more exactly define. So, okay. I don't want to get too, we're good. Cause we're going to get bogged. We would get bogged down. We'll get on stuck somewhere. If you guys, if you guys want to go to like a, like whatever, well, just- wherever you want to start, I'm cool with it. But if you guys want to know what my whole idea, what my whole relationship with Dune is, is I have been into Dune now for a lot of my life, but I was not into Dune the book until later in my life. Uh, okay. I, oh, right. Because you were a video game guy. Yeah. yeah so okay. So I, maybe we need to explain that because mm-hmm. I, I feel like neither Alex nor I are coming from that space at no. all. Like, yeah. I, uh, go ahead. I didn't read Dune until I was probably, I think Eugenia and I maybe read it in the same like year or like within. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that yeah. was our first experience. So you have an entirely different. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, background. I mean. I've always been a book nerd. I'm a proto nerd. I like, I was, I was doing nerd shit when it was not easy to do back then when you, you wanted to get into something, there was always some, you know, person going like, do you really want to get into dungeons and dragons? And it's like, yeah, I, I didn't come here for nothing, you know? Um, so I'm used to gatekeeping and I'm used to being a gatekeeper too. There was a time when, you know, when anime broke into the mainstream, I found myself being like, this is fucked up. I used to have to work really hard to say I like anime. Now there's like 50 kids in cat ears at the bus stop and they're yeah. all looking at me like I'm a boomer. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like no, 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 wait, I, I've, I, I know who you are, you know, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, yeah. I'm, and I do think that that is a part of it, but continue, yeah, yeah. sorry. 
No, no, of course. I, I, you know, I just grew up playing video games and reading books, uh, collecting figurines. I collect video game systems. Uh, you guys can see I play, you know, I play Warhammer 40K. I've played that for a decade. Um, so, and that is like that folds in Dune stuff too. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. 40K. Oh, there's there any sci-fi thing usually has a lot of it, but mm. uh, Warhammer certainly has a lot of Dune in it. Uh, like like death planets where certain space Marines come from, they're considered hardy or space Marines because they come from a, from a death planet, which is just Sardaukar and Arrakis. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I'm a star Wars proto nerd. I don't like star Wars. I'm not like a big IP star Wars guy, but I can tell you what Buddhist principle Darth Vader is based off of, you know, I have to know this <laughs> stuff or else people will come and steal my nerd card. So, um, you know, but I grew up playing video games mostly was my first obsession. And I had a babysitter down the street. He, uh, he would let me play uh, like Final Fantasy 3, Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 on a Super Nintendo at his house when I'd come over. One of the games he had was Dune 2. And Dune 2 is an RTS game, real-time strategy. So um, it was, Dune oh, 2 yeah. is, yeah, Dune, Dune 2 it's is like widely considered. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Dune 2 is kind of considered the like godfather of those games becoming predominantly better to play. Um, the systems that Dune 2 introduced became uh, became kind of the the main uh, setup structure, for any, yeah. Yeah, any structure for any RTS that comes out after that. Like, if you can see up here, I'm friends with uh, a guy named Steve Shockey who worked on Dune 2000, which was another RTS that was rather popular in the series. But Dune surprisingly has a lineage that is both really, really important to video games and then also has... Mm a bunch of really, really bad video games. There's a 2001, you guys got to look this up. There's a 2001 uh, Dune third-person action game. And it's like, it's like if, do you remember uh, Dracula 3000? Mm, or yeah. No, the one, yeah, yeah. You know, when they yeah. were like, you know, we're going to put a lot of new metal into a Dracula movie yeah. and see what we get. That's what yeah. happened to that game. You should look for oh a playthrough. It. It's really funny. Like, Paul is kind of like a, He's like a dark, like kind of like new metal guy with like a kind of a bobbed. I'm looking at pictures. It is such a weird like yeah. vision of any it's, of these characters. It's Dune unanimously or no, Dune 2000 is an RTS, but there's a 2001 like third person action game. It's just called Frank Herbert's Dune. Yeah, for that's PlayStation exactly it. Two. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. There's, oh my goodness. That worm. Wow. I think, I think the game ends they with when you warm. finally ride a worm. You ride a worm show and the, the game worm. ends. So oh wow. Yeah. You get your hooks. Yeah. You get your hooks, and then they were like, and some studio was like, you know, we're not gonna make any money with this, right? So we're gonna go <laughs> ahead and not do another one. And then they fired a bunch of people, I'm sure. Good. But um, but yeah, you know, that's where and who's that's, the blue guy? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who, what the fuck is that? Blue? I'm serious. Like, I gotta go back. What the fuck is that blue guy? There's a blue guy. I'm sure that it was probably it, some video game producer's idea of like a Harkonnen or something. No, well, because I can see the Baron, and then I don't know who that is. He has. Oh, like the Baron Robo looks Cop. really funny. If I remember, the, <laughs> yeah, the he looks Baron like, does look. He doesn't feel intimidating at all. But there's like a guy with a blue face. It's like right next to Paul's face and the on the Frank cover. Herbert. Yeah, on the cover. I don't know. Can you He's see? Like a, it's like, like a blue, alien it's like face. a squid man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that is well, that like some uh, weird I, I have no idea. I did not play that game. Is it supposed time. to be like a guilt 
navigator mask. Oh, looks, that might maybe. be it. That, that might would be make it. sense. That's the only you thing that would so. make sense. Yeah, because there are the no Baron's face aliens. is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, the Baron's face is really goofy. So, but yeah, that that's my relationship with Dune. I I started reading the book when I was when younger. Did you read it? Um, I read it right after I had finished. Uh, I, I had to do a, <laughs> this is going to be fun for you, Alex, but I had to do a, uh, I got a scholarship based off of an essay I wrote about the fountainhead. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got like a, I got like a $3,000. When was this? This was in high school. It had to be like sophomore I know what year. year. Sophomore year, okay, maybe. So I was a freshman and I. And, yeah. 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 And okay. and, the, and the teacher was like. She Amazing. So she made us write sequels to Beowulf. Like that was an ex- assignment. And she liked my sequel. She was like, this is, this is really good. You should write. And she, but, um, but, uh, the best. but yeah, right after that, I got really into Ender's game. Oh and, yeah. 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 So I was like, oh, I'm looking for something else like this. And it was like, Dune's the way to go. And I read like halfway through Dune. And I remember being like, this is kind of, this is like kind of too much. I'm getting a little lost. Like, and I gave it up and I switched to the dark tower by Stephen King. Um, you know, I, these, these things all kind of got tightly packed together because I was really into like, you know, I was looking for like high end sci-fi authors and fantasy authors and I'm, and I was a nerd. So Stephen King is like a minor deity, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, of course. Yeah. I've read, you know, I've read pretty much all of his stuff, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I got into it and it just didn't click. And then one day I finally in 2014 or 2015, I just said, fuck it. I'm going to really go at it. And I went through all six books super fast. We kind of did read them all around we the kinda, same time. Yeah, we yeah. sort of had like a, maybe there was like a transit, a planetary transit. Yeah. There's that a that influenced all of our charts. I'm, a, I'm assuming. Us. There's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously my, my, my book planet was in retrograde, but um, yes, I do. I do think that Dune requires maybe a little bit of emotional uh, maturity in order to like really mm, yeah. digest, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, Ender's Game is a good, they're good books, but, uh, but you know, they're pretty soft until you get into the third book. And Orson Scott Card is kind of a dick. So, right. yeah. Which is a shame because I really do love the Ender's Game books. Like the last one is a very beautiful novel about, um, the acceptance of letting people who have uh, a will to live and have a consciousness, they should be granted the clemency of being able to live their life. And then for him to come out and be like, I don't think that gay people should be a big priority in the world. It's like, oh, come on, man. You, <laughs> yeah, just, kind of, you wrote a you great know, that, book about how that's not the thing you should be worried about, but sure. But that does sort of echo the same kind of strange uh, oxymoronic, uh, like, how can you like the Dune book and then also like this movie? Oh, really? You think? <laughs> oh, geez. Man, that was wow. a, because that I, was, I, that was a, that, you were winding up and I didn't know it was to pound a railroad like spike. Trying to rein us in by yeah. just like throwing a fucking napalm bomb on you. Uh, yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, yeah. I just think because of the way, so, and I, and I see that you don't feel this way, but I feel, and maybe Alex, I don't want to speak for Alex, but I do feel like the Denis Villeneuve movie, not only is it like not really a good movie movie, but it also like misrepresents like so many important facets of Dune that it, it kind of is like 
instead of being okay progress because like we're exposing the the dune, the idea of dune to more people but but to me it's kind of like it, it you know it's it's muddying the waters you know it's it's tampering with the purity you know i feel like i'm you know i'm oh heisenberg God, it in your I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah it. and it it's totally. like it's not it's not we don't have the crystal blue you know potency of like you know our meth isn't isn't great so we have to <laughs> of course of course um no i i think i think that's an appropriate way to be upset about it like uh to have a deep love for something anytime that it's touched upon by hands that you feel aren't worthy of it you're going to be, you know, you're going to be unhappy about it. It makes a lot of sense. And I've, and I've had to feel that feeling before, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I've had plenty of things that were adapted that weren't up to my standard for what I was hoping that that property would be. Uh, I've had it happen with Ender's Game. I've had it happen with The Dark Tower. I've had it happen with Watchmen. I've had it happen with. But you, okay. But you as a fan of Watchmen, because I feel like I liked Watchmen. Mm Mm-hmm. I loved uh, the Zack Snyder film, actually. Yeah, I thought that I liked that, but then I wasn't like a huge novel, like graphic novel fan. Right. And, so you, you know, you can you can understand that you enjoyed the film without right. having a deeper understanding of this of eponymous text. graphic novel. Right. And uh, and if you and I were to have a conversation where I had only read the graphic novel and you had only read the book, the things you mm. would miss in terms of the metaphor and the concept would be a lot of stuff, but the right, general, the aliens yeah. well, there's, there's, there's a subplot about a movie studio that put out a film about a pirate that has to do with who's building the alien. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. The black a lot flag. That graphic novel is, is very dense. I so, see. so Watchmen is an adaptation that has an adaptation that has a sequel that has another adaptation. Like it's, it's, so yeah, so we don't want Dune to be that fucked. Well, it's not fucked. Here's the cool thing. Okay. The well. original, it's not though. I mean, the 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 graphic. <laughs> oh, not, yeah, you know, yeah, I get it. The original DC characters are interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the graphic novel is, you know, arguably one of the better pieces of art ever made. The Zack Snyder film, um, while not some masterful vision for Watchmen, which is a generally unfilmable idea. He right. did a he did a great job of doing something for himself. Um, Philip Glass. Per, you, well, you know he's perpetuating. Philip Glass. Philip Glass, the guy who did the score, or he did. Yeah. Or they used the Philip Glass. Anyway, sorry. Um, I think an- the number one thing I want to bring up about Dune is that uh, in the idea of adaptation, I don't think that um, an adaptation is ever supposed to su- is ever supposed to like usurp the original text or the original right. piece of art. It's meant to supplant it. The idea is that um, you, you can take a richness from something, even if it's not to the quality you desire, and adding that film's vocabulary back to the book can do good things for your mental vision. It can do things for your audio and your own mind when you're hearing it, reading it, listening to it. It, it gives you an ability to, to add on to something that was already good. Now, mm-hmm. as far as you, as far as your issue with the movie itself, um, there is there is like things that I just kind of 
curtly disagree with when you guys talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And let's so, yeah, so let's get into that. Just, if you'd yeah. Like. Could do that. What do well, you tell, currently? Well, tell, well, talk to me a little bit about what your worst parts of it are in my mind. I keep hearing you guys talking about how your friends just kept have to kept having to smoke weed to get through it. It's <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, I have to smoke weed to get through a lot of stuff. It doesn't mean that the quality's not there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. like you guys use that as like a way to like judge the film. And I was like, that literally has nothing to do with it. But, well, I but do I think understand. That, that Alex kind of did do the caveat of like, well, some people got to do that just to live their lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I quit smoking weed fairly recently because of personal reasons, but I was like that. You know, I had to smoke weed all day long to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I have I to, get it. I, I have well, to smoke I think weed at the end of the day or I'm, or I'm in bad shape. I need to eat. It's also cause y'all live on the West coast. In Las so. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can go so buy that, it whenever, wherever. Yeah. Um, I would say though, what is the thing that I really didn't like? Yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of checklist because I have some opinions about the film that are about what I think the quality of it is. And so mm -hmm. I think that if you guys just kind of, you know, just for the sake of everybody kind of remembering what it was that upset you about it, I think that maybe I can set a better boundary for what I can answer to say why I think that it's a pretty good film and one that is, you know, worthy of the praise that it's receiving, but maybe not of the ultimate goal of being like a really amazing way to do Dune. So please, by I all mean, means. I think that the writing is poor. I really really don't think that it has a, a lot of substance. It doesn't give anything to the characters that I think is necessary for those characters to be, you know, fleshed out in any sort of way that makes sense with in the book, in the books, especially Paul and Jessica. I can agree with Paul uh, and Jessica. Yeah. Uh, they really are almost like the antithesis of their characters in my head and what I think most people who've read the books are. Hmm. They really don't show, you know, yeah. their true character and their true, like, beings, you know? They show Jessica as, like, a sniveling, sad, unsure mother. Out. Yeah. Very stressed out. And they show Paul as, like, a... Miss a whiny it. child who doesn't yeah. really understand why he's there or what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I when Paul that. is like an entirely like almost fully formed adult at that point without even mm -hmm. having gone through any of these trials yet. Like he knows who he is. He's aware of his status and he is actively involved in and pursuing his training in all of these different areas and wants to be this sort of person. And gotcha. that is non-existent in Paul in the movie for me. Okay. That's, that's, I, I, uh, I actually, there are, I mean, there are parts of the film that I don't like. Um, and particularly one of them is that I don't really like that, uh, that Paul is so mewling throughout the film. Like he can kind yeah. of be, he can kind of be a little unsure of himself, but you know, I have to remember that in the book, you know, he's, he's this person who's like, I've been training to be better than the average person my whole life. Um, but I'm Atreides, so it's important that I'm humble. It's important that I keep, you know, uh, part of the vision of what the Bene Gesserit do is that we don't give you the keys without knowing that you're going to keep the keys secret. You know, like we don't, yeah. we're, we're a secretive society that's slowly trying to build to like, 
essentially a god. They're trying to build a god for themselves. Right. Um, and they're they're stuck in this kind of problem where uh, love and devotion to pe- to each other has fucked that all up and moved it all up into a speed they didn't want to do. And now they're trying to rectify the situation or at least put bumpers for the bowling ball to get to the pins. So mm-hmm. they're not really sure what to do in that moment. And I don't feel like that was communicated appropriately, especially for the idea that Timothy Chalamet is a, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful actor. And I know you guys kind of have some misgivings about that. I just, I haven't seen him do enough things to really know anything about him. But in this movie, I don't think that he was a very good actor, but maybe like we said before, the writing, I don't think gave him much to work with. Okay. Really. And you know, whatever direction he was given on top of that writing, I don't, I don't feel helped. gave him the idea of what to even be. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. So that, that, that also kind of leads into Rebecca Ferguson, who is, I think one of the greatest up and coming uh, uh, actresses possible right now. She's doing all this interesting work and she's dynamic and she's, she's, uh, uh, she's just a, she's just wonderful. But I also think that Jessica ended up being, um, like you said, maybe a little hyper emotional for what she really what should a be. Benny Gesserit, yeah, is. yeah, like, yeah, and not the just the most a Bene Gesserit, emotionally but, controlled. Yeah, uh, not even just a Bene Gesserit, a one of the most trained and staunch Bene Gesserit in the history of the sisterhood. Period. Yeah, you know, and Jessica like was given proud concubine of Luke. Luke, Luke, of Duke Luke of the 80s. yeah, like she, she has no, like yeah, no self-esteem issues whatsoever with who she is and her stance in the world. Yeah, as who she is, and I, I just feel like she's like this mess who's completely lost. Yeah, yeah. there are there are moments for sure, like when she's outside for the Gamjabar. You do tend to kind of feel, so I did, con- weird. I did. That I mean, was- I, Go ahead, please. Well, I just think that that was, that's, that's an example of them just not having any good takes of Timothy. Uh, Cause that, I don't think he really did. I don't think he, I don't think he could have pulled it off. So I don't weird. think he pulled it off. I think it was <laughs> sort of just like, Oh, all the takes they had were just like him being like, Oh, you know, not selling it a hundred percent. Just like somewhere, somewhere in New York, Timothy Chalamet is wearing four layers, has something weird in his hair, and he just felt a goose run over his grave. He's like, somebody's I hope saying so. Somebody just said something <laughs> really mean about me. I mean, I we mean, just have such a high pedestal with uh, Kyle, Kyle with especially his Gom Jabbar. His Gom Jabbar scene is immaculate. Uh, listen, we we all know that the Lynch version has a certain love amongst the hardcore Dune community, mm-hmm. uh, people who tend, you know, cause Dune, Dune has a, a fandom that is equal parts neck beard as it is intellectual. You know what I mean? There's, there's Very, something like, yeah, this, there's something in there for everybody. You know, if you just love like badass movies about politics and war or badass books about politics and war, you can get a taste of that in Dune. If you're somebody yeah. who's very cerebral and you're looking for the games inside of games and contemplating plans within plans. plans. Well, yeah. But yeah, I just, I just use like a game of Thrones concept there, but, but like, yeah, plans within plans. If you're, if you like watching the way that this kind of onion unpeels as you go through it, and then you realize mm-hmm. when you get to the center of the onion, there's like 5,000 more layers of onion. 
you know, <laughs> like 30,000 years of more onion. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's difficult for anybody to, uh, a put that into film form period. You know, you're, you're kind of left with this, but that, that's the, that's the beauty of Dune and the fandom. We're going to, yeah. we're going to have people who are going to, who are going to be like, no, I miss the intellectual bend that mm-hmm. I require from Dune and Denis Villeneuve didn't fulfill that. And then you're going to have people who are like, I don't think there was enough guns, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be difficult, but the film is popular. It's not, it's not, right. it's it even, even in the Dune subreddit, they are mostly talking about how much they like it and how oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, then they were doing that. I think before the movie came out, I, I do feel like that there was like a certain sort of like push. A souring. Yeah. Well, a push to like, that this is going to be like, this is so great. that This is happening, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they were very it excited. Is, yeah. Before it came out. Okay. Before so it came out. So yeah, 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 I was too. I was, I was literally getting a colonoscopy once <laughs> because I was nervous that something might be wrong with me. And okay. one of the things that was on my mind was how terrified I was that I might not get to see Denis Villeneuve's Dune. I'm not kidding. I was like, I was like, what if something happens to me? And I don't, I was angry that it was happening. Like I was like, yes, I want this. I guess, I guess it's time to kind of confront the elephant in the room, which is that I still think that this is one of Denise uh, lower tier films, but is still not qualified as what I call passable. It is a good movie. Passable films. There are plenty of them. There are things that you can digest just because you're bored, things that you can digest because right. you, you, need, you need something to get you by in a day. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's films like, uh, like I said, like the Ed Helms Vacation. It's like a, it's like a marijuana movie for me where mm-hmm. when I'm in a bad mood, my wife and I smoke too much weed and laugh. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, but it's a passable film. It's not, right. it's not meant to be something that's conducting my brain and making me think of, of my own creation of existentialism and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And Dune is not at like some sort of like, like Solaris uh, stalker 2001 level. It's just not even close, but the movie, is, yeah, it is somewhere yeah. in there <laughs> and it is being, and it was made by somebody who is a bona fide superstar in cinema right now. Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> Gosh, you know, you say that. I just yeah. really, that makes me sad. It just Why, makes though? me sad. I just Why? don't think he's a good, I don't think he's that good. I just don't think he's that good. I think that he is overrated uh, huh. across the board. I think right. You've he, mentioned that. Yeah. I think he has, he doesn't really have interesting ideas. I think uh, a lot of his shot design is like, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy. It, I don't know. I, I think that he is like a very digestible, like I already said, like a dollar store, Christopher Nolan. But and I, do I think, have an answer for that, but please. Yeah. continue. But I do. And I, and I think like Christopher Nolan, I would almost be, I would have preferred to have Christopher Nolan to attempt to do Dune. Cause I feel like he might give it the kind of complexity that it, that requires. Cause if you look at tenant, like Tenant is a movie that is happily like going in on itself in terms of like how kind of like ass backwards 
literally and figuratively well, forward. Uh, yeah, it's like which where are we? Are we going forwards or backwards? Nah. Like well, I mean that yeah. that movie was like re- like ready and willing to be more complicated than it needed to be. Um but so I I just yeah, I just don't I don't know. I I kind of see him as like you know, those, what is it called there? I just saw there was like a Wikipedia entry of like the certain kind of like tech industry, like illustrations of like those flat people that are all like the, the specific shapes and, and primary colors. It's called like, I don't know, like Wisconsin edge. I, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's all of these, like, like, caricatures of people like all the google people they all kind of like look the oh, same oh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about because they're all like ovals and then squares and it's like this very kind of corporate um cool where it it kind of is like covering all the bases of like you're gonna have some snake plants and then you're gonna have like a, a light that's shaped that's round. We're going to have like a round globe light. And then we're going to have, you know, some coffee and, um, you know, like a piece of cake. And that, that is like a, a visual. Well, I've, I've, I've changed my mind. Denis Villeneuve is a terrible director that did it. <laughs> okay. That did kind of go beyond yeah, the pale a little, in terms a little a little into the field but i but i i i you're 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 trying to kind of insinuate that he's like a facsimile of a facsimile kind of thing or right like he's sort of like a like simulacra uh, uh there's a good word that's fun mm-hmm. no i get I, I i'm not i'm not against that but you know for you to like like so you say he's a dime store or a dollar store, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan but, yeah. But you know, people seem to forget that Christopher Nolan wasn't, you know, he's, he's known as like this kind of hi-fi, uh, high concept sci-fi director. But the truth is, is that half of his films aren't sci-fi. You know what I mean? He's, he's, right. he, well, he I mean, had, I think, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was just thinking Memento to me is like the, the first real Christopher Nolan movie that, you know, it's like, well, what did you it, never like, see how- following? No, following is pretty good. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, I mean, let, let's look this over <laughs> following Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Rises, Dunkirk. That is every yeah. single movie that isn't sci fi. And the ones that are is the ones that are are um, Inception, but only sci fi by the idea that, right. it's, that it's something weird. And Interstellar and and Tenet in a little bit of a way, but Tenet is still, you know, it's, it's high sci-fi, but there's, it's really just a spy movie that happens to have a unique conceit. It's a James Bond film. It is James Bond movie. It is James Bond movie, but I do, I even, I love that casting versus like fucking Jason Momoa. Um, (laughs) You, I wish you know, that Mahershala Ali was uh, Duncan I, Idaho, and I, I guess remember, maybe, yeah. yeah, I remember your yeah. your dream casting. But he, to be fair, and this isn't an excuse for Jason Momoa's presence in the film. There's nothing yeah. about him. No, 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 he no. He did I, not I, choose. He did not beg for this role. I think I think that a he did because there's a bunch of featurettes of him being like. I was desperate to get on a Denis Villeneuve film. And I think that part of the reason he's desperate about it is because Bautista went from being somebody who could do character bits 
if you gave him the right kind of dumbed down character. And in one scene in Blade Runner 2049, Villeneuve made, made him seem like a dynamic and interesting actor. Luckily, the Beast Raban doesn't have to do anything other than, uncle, I don't like that this is happening. You know, like, it's like, yeah, that's easy for a wrestler. You know, um, I don't think that either one of them are amazing actors, but Momoa is, um, his passion for the project gave me a little bit of love for him, but he is not a gigantically quality actor yet. Um, he needs somebody to be harder on him. And while I think Denis Villeneuve has managed to get a lot of good acting out of people across a wide range of films, Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think that Momoa was ready to step into a role that important or take part in it, but he's also a big WB name. I'm sure that right. he, I'm sure that the studio, I'm sure that his agent, you know, he's, he's a DC mainstay hero. He had one of the few right. DC films that pulled a profit. Or this is just why I don't even like or care about film like very yeah. much anymore. Because oh, this is the yeah. kind of shit that dictates what we're going to get and why I have stopped caring so much because yeah, but it's cor- not, we uh, don't get the, like a real artistic vision of anything anymore. It's who says that I have to do this because of money. Literally, that's the decision-making process of anything. And I don't give a shit anymore. Right. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you're, if you're upset, I'm sorry, Eugenia, I didn't mean to oh, cut no. you off, but oh. if you're worried about the corporate system controlling Hollywood, I've got super bad news for you, Alex. Oh, that's why it, I gave you know, up already. You know I, that I don't even well, watch movies, really. Well, see, but that's the thing is, is the, the beauty of film is that it still has punk rock in it. You know, you might not like Nickelback. I know. There are but like if I very play, small pieces of it that yeah. I find, but I don't go looking for it anymore. Right. I wait, I, no, I, I wait I to find it. And I think that this is like a specifically American conundrum because we don't have enough funding. Like for us, like film isn't like something that the government pays for in real obvious ways. Whereas like Like other countries, Korea and China, yeah, yeah, they have they have entire Canada and France. Yeah, exactly. Canada is Hollywood now, so yeah. To yes, Uh, so you know, I think that that we are speaking from like a specifically kind of like American, like Hollywood film perspective where you do kind of have this like strange rub against, you know, the art film and then the commercial film. And I, and I do almost think that we we're in this weird era where, you know, because of Harvey Weinstein and because of Miramax and because of how all of that got gross yeah, um, or was gross the whole time. Was gross yeah. and got grosser, like as 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 it became more successful, and they did get really great movies, and they were distributing smaller art films that then you know became like hugely successful. Um, that that we are in this weird space of like in terms of film history, like, where are we? We're in a weird place because we're not really there. It's not conducive. We're not really in an area that, I mean, I guess for maybe like a 24. Well, yeah. A 24 is a good example of a 24. Yeah. I've also had somebody say a two four to me recently. And I'm like, um, a two four. I've always said A24, but, A24. but I've always um, said A24, but I, I just recently heard somebody be like A24, A24. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? No, you know, I, 
I think that film has had this history of like, it's never really been able to sit anywhere and just do anything for a long time. It's always been this kind of forward flowing thing. You have, uh, you know, in the modern age, when somebody gives you uh, $150 million to make a movie, it usually means because you're shooting the majority of the movie on a green screen, um, the actors are interacting with tennis balls, and then they're sending it off to post-production for somebody to put all of that money on screen as much as you can. If you go back right. in time, especially like, for example, uh, Eugenia, you love Tartofsky, right? Right. Um, yeah. I always, is that his, that's the right way to pronounce Tarkovsky. it. Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. I, I used to say Tartakovsky. And I was like, it makes him sound like, it makes him sound like a sauce. Yeah. It makes him sound like a sauce that comes with like fried fish. But, um, you know, you look back at something like stalker, you know, stalker was a terrible production. It, uh, it costs too much money. He was constantly having to put that money into the background. So you didn't notice that it was a film and he got a bunch of people sick with radiation poisoning. It's like, there was a, there was a time when you were making film where somebody could abuse you. And people will oh, just yeah. go like, yeah, well, did you see how well Shelley Duvall did in The Shining? I don't right. care that he was mean. You know, now we're in an age where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're yelling at this woman and calling her a cunt. Well, guess what? You're fired because you're an asshole. Right. So, well, well, that's the problem. Depending on where you fall on that idea, there mm-hmm. are still people who believe that art can only be made through strife. You know, the Bukowski approach. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I have to suffer in order to articulate art properly. But there's also people who are in the camp that art is not exclusive to pain. Art can come from anything. And in the modern no, age. I think it needs to come from experience. And the majority of real life experience well, happens okay. to be strife. Like, well, yeah, that, that's fair. Like, the, the price of existing is being alive. So, yeah, um, right. you know, but. Yeah. But this, this is what I'll say for sure, which is that Nolan is not a sci-fi director completely. He's a director-director, and he's part of a class of directors that have separated themselves from what we consider to be the main form so of If you film. go back to the aughts, Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky made, you know, Pie, which was a modest right. hit. Then they yeah. said, well, what else do you have on deck? And he goes, oh, I have this drug movie, Requiem for a Dream. He makes Requiem for a Dream. It blows up. It's the biggest independent movie of the year. It's this huge thing. Every art school kid goes to see it. And then the studio goes, cool, we want another movie. And then what does he make? The Fountain. The most expensive independent film ever made. It flopped so massively. And by the way, is a tremendously good fucking movie. It's amazing. And then what does he go on to do? He goes on to make uh, Black Swan and The Wrestler. And they're like, mm-hmm. this is great. We want more. And what does he make? Mother, another mm-hmm. really kind of garbage Aronofsky film that isn't like The Fountain because it sucks. <laughs> I'm being mean. I shouldn't be mean. I, it's not no, that bad of a movie. Mean. It's just, it's just, it's all know, we I do is be mean. It's fine. Well, you know, I just don't like to, I don't like to overly criticize because I know that movie is, is of a certain quality for people, but it's, it just was like, too, it was too harsh for me. It was a, uh, I feel like Javier Bardem. Did a better job in that movie than he did in Dune. Well, I mean, are Dude, you talking? Are you talking do about anything in yeah, Dune? Gonna, are you talking about the six minutes of screen time that he was on, where he was just being Javier Bardem? Like, yeah. I mean, not in Dune or anything at all. In Dune, in Dune yeah. yeah. I mean, he was listen, just the guy. The guy there. ended up playing one of the most famous characters in the history of novel. Like any book in history, Anton Chigurh will be. He will be a quintessential boogeyman as long as people are putting words to paper. So they got the perfect person to do it. 
the perfect, the just perfect casting. Joel and Ethan Cohen, they made a nearly perfect film, so much so that they beat out Paul Thomas Anderson with another nearly perfect film. You mm-hmm. know, so it's it's complicated when you deal with people like this, but this class of director in the modern age is not like Aronofsky, where they had to like trick the studio into doing it. Some of these directors mm-hmm. make real money for the studios and then make actually good essential art. You can, like you said, dollar store Christopher Nolan. The truth is, is that uh, Denis Villeneuve is actually a dollar store uh, David Fincher. David Fincher is the same color palette. They have a similar trajectory throughout their career. Um, he made Incendies, which was a moderate hit, and Fincher mm-hmm. made Alien 3. And then the next movie that they both make is Prisoners and Seven, which are kind of sister films. They're cousin films to each other. Prisoners is a great dark movie and it's Jake Gyllenhaal's best role because Denis Villeneuve worked with him actively to build background into the character, Detective Loki, that was not ever, there's no exposition about where he comes from. It's all in Jake Gyllenhaal's head and it's communicated through acting. It's Prisoners is an amazing movie. Enemy is an okay movie. Um, Sicario. Sicario is a, is a, is one of the coolest drug films and cartel films ever made, maybe period. It might be one, it might be the best movie about drugs and about cartels ever made, in my opinion. Like, and I've seen, you know, I've seen how many other, are there? Well, there's a <laughs> lot. I mean, but most of that shit was popular in the 80s. But, you know, and then you said like you don't like his composition, his shot composition. But you have to remember until he. Well, I thought that I don't like it. I just think that we are now entering. It just feels very sterile and it feels very like not creative. Right. So. um, So until Greg Frazier came in for Dune, he was working with Roger Deakins and Roger Deakins is arguably the greatest living cinematographer of all time. He he literally made a movie where he was the cinematographer in 1917 and the movie just became his movie. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the fact that it was directed by somebody who directed one of the best Bond films ever made. And he, and he, I, I can barely care as long as Roger Deakins was doing it. So Deakins worked with right. the Cohen brothers, Deakins worked with Reeves, you know, and ironically enough, um, Greg Frazier, who is the cinematographer for Dune has mm-hmm. a pretty storied history of working with, with the same kind of directors and making good films. Like he, um, he directed, do you guys remember uh, Let the Right One In? The yeah. vampire film? Yeah, based on the- Is it the, the, uh, the remake? The no. American so, remake? So there's, there's the novel, which right. is great, by the way. If you guys want to like read a really scary, interesting book, that book, that translation of that book is really, really good, really high-class translation. But Let the Right One In is- an amazing, an amazing it's a uh, great movie. vampire film. Yeah. And that was yeah. shot by Hoyt Van Hoytema, who is now the main cinematographer for Christopher Nolan. And Matt Reeves directed the remake, Let Me In, who mm. the cinematographer was Greg Frazier. You know, mm. um, there's, there's connective tissue in the way these people move around sure. each other. Yeah. Because there's, there's a, there's a skill set and a pool of talent that these men and these women know that if you go in with these people, you get a superlative film, which is Fincher, it's 
uh, Reeves. It's uh, Gareth Edwards, but not really Gareth Edwards, but a little bit. Um, Alex Garland, uh, you know, and Denis Villeneuve. You know, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he he had arrivals one of the best movies ever made, and it's and Amy Adams. There is no role that she's ever taken that has been better than her in that film. You know, um, Denis Villeneuve is is uh, is a incredibly high end skilled director who's making unbelievable films outside mm-hmm. the realm of the common in this mm-hmm. day and age. In yeah. this day and age, you're, if if you're going to compare him all over the board to better directors from the past, I could do that to any director you ever throw. Sure, up. I mean, sure, sure, sure. I don't necessarily think it's like. I'm not trying to say like this, you know, oh, every, are you meal, not? No, every meal I'm eating needs to be like, you know, five-star Wagyu tasting menu, $500 tasting menu, yeah. tasting menu beef. Like I understand that we need meat and potatoes or whatever. I just think that, I just think that I have, I take issue with the way that he simplified the text. Um, you, you guys and, just don't like the lack of depth more than anything. Right. I do yeah. think that yeah, a lot it's of it. really just our subjective yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. opinion about I'm it. Not, Obviously, I'm, like I hate to, to dissect other people's art so much, you know, because it is subjective on their end completely. And we never really fucking know. Yeah. But it's impossible not to because well, it's all that anybody does to anything. So we're doing it and it's just for the both of us, it is mm. the most like, I don't know, superficial, yeah, shallow version of what I had ever expected from this type of magnitude of a movie that was supposed to be. And from all angles, like we said, the writing, the casting, you know, yeah. Casting. You guys, yeah, you guys, do, you, do. Guys, you guys are you guys are a little sore about casting. That is, you know, some of the some of the best actors working right now. Uh, but I think, they didn't but do is a that great tr- job. Well, there there was. Are they the mm, are they the best actors working? Or I, I kind of see it as like you have the writing bowing down to the money, and you have the casting bowing down to the money, and then you have the the kind of the story design bowing down to the money. I kind of don't see where there was ever like a, Hey, let's, let's do this one thing that isn't kowtowing to the budget or to like the general audience. But so, so you guys, another, another issue you have with the film is that you believe that it has somehow compromised itself in the studio system. Well, yeah. no, I just, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And I do think that, that, you know, a lot of like, well, why was Josh Brolin cast as Gurney Halleck when like literally any stranger could like growl a few lines? Um, I think Josh Brolin was cast because Josh He's- Brolin w- works with Denis Villeneuve a lot. He, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but that's is, not reason to be cast into it, anything. It is kind of because well, when, you, when you know that a person can deliver on things you're looking for, but you did, go did he? What what part? Of, well, see this now. I feel like I I just I feel like I just like neck bearded there for a second. No. So so let me let me ask this. Like, what part of his performance was bad? Like like to you? I think that just his general delivery and his his kind of like one note flavor of Gurney just being like grumpy old man, grumpy. 
just yeah. grumpy, mean mm. old man, um, you know, instead of kind of like even just the smooth, mellow jazz of Patrick Stewart, who yeah, had is, righteous. But Gurney Halleck is that he has that exactly. he is a like a sensual, romantic fucking I, musician. And yeah. that is lost completely. They show a ballast set leading up in the corner. Well, there's a deleted scene of him actually. (laughs) There's a there's a deleted scene of him actually doing work on it, but it's um, not playing it or not showing no playing the complexity of the character. I I think I think that what you got and and um, if I could just talk about the structure, the thing is is like I don't think that there is you know uh, like I said, there's a way for me to kind of win this argument de facto by just going like you guys want too much, click. You know what I mean? Like you guys are looking to be, you're too elite about what the situation is. But the truth is, is that I think he just had to take the parts that were the most palatable as a story beat. He mm. put them together the best way that he could in terms of what he was dealing with, where he was. The but kind this of- doesn't seem like something that somebody who is really passionate about is something that wants to make it happen would do. Oh, I disagree, but I, but, um, but like I he, can- he's just, he has to, he has to deal with all these limitations. So he's going to do the best that he can. I, I mean, I guess if that's a completely personal decision that I would think that someone who really cared that deeply about Dune would decide not to do. Hmm. Right. Um, I think that, I think that to presume that he doesn't want to work on something that was like a dream project since he was 13 years old is, you know, he's, he's looking for, he's been looking for the opportunity to do something like this his whole life. And he always like I've I've listened to interviews with him now and tried to like understand his drive for the film. And it was built out of a significant love for this novel when he was 13 years old. He wanted to do a Dune film. He's been envisioning it since he was a kid. So maybe the thing that so you is guys it are, that movie of of a 13 year old boy's movie that he wants? Well, what I'm saying rather is there than may, what we want. You know what what happens to directors' passion projects most of the time is that they end up kind of like overdoing it for themselves and kind of fumbling the whole thing. That's what happened with toys. You know, toys was toys was supposed to be this like gigantic, huge project. That was like a big deal. And like, it's been sitting in a drawer forever. I've been working on it for 10 years. And then it comes out well, and people are like, what the fuck is this I movie? Think too, that, but this isn't even like Denny Villeneuve's, this is not his IP, right? This is like, this is somebody else's amazing life's work. And mm-hmm. Denny is kind of like, I don't know. He's sort of like, ah, but look, it's me. I, I just, I think he's, taking, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. He's so, well, I, my problem is that I don't want the film to be discredited because it's not like a retelling of the book in every single sure. exact way. And that's, that's and, not what I want out of it though, or think that my criticisms really are getting at just because I think that the characters are not represented in the correct way or it's lacking expo- ex- exposition. It's they, he could have done things differently in his own way and still have it need to be like word for word. I don't want word for word. Like, we, I love the Lynch movie. It is not word for word. There are many things that are completely different and new, and he still is able to take the themes and the ideas and like regurgitate them in a way that still give you yeah. the same message and meaning in a way that is interesting and like that gives you what Dune 
is trying to give you, but in his own way. And I don't feel that from 2021 Dune. Okay. So ultimately, if you're looking for Dune to feel uh, complete, like a film that would represent at least mildly what you're looking for, your, your dream scenario would be for it to be more focused on what? It probably more focused on the yeah. spice. <laughs> like I feel like spice? they're there. The beginning. The like spice. You want it to be that spice. <laughs> yeah, I think that the spice should be central. I think that that should have been how we enter the story with the spice, with the contextualization of like what the spice is, what the spice can do, how the spice influences like the entire universe, and then what how the Fremen use the spice, and then how then does Paul fit within into the larger scope of like what the spice is. And, right. and I think that that would be an entry that would satisfy me more. But also carry it through the different stages of mm-hmm. the book that would separate the movie into two or three parts right. based on the different context of the spice and like how it pre spice Paul post spice Paul. Yeah. Because yeah. I keep getting this sense and I get this sense very heavily. And this is part of the reason why I, I think I like react so negatively towards this movie is I think that there is so much of it that they're like, well, we're just not going to worry about that for this hmm. movie. We're just going to push it on to the second movie. Like we're not going to like explain where fate is. We're not going to explain what the spice is and we're not going to explain any of this shit. We're just going to like, ooh, like just push it on. We're going to, that's the next movie. We're going to get okay. into that in the next movie. You know, I, and, and not that popular sentiment is necessarily an indicator of good. You know, there are plenty of Transformers <laughs> movies that have probably uh, fresh ratings. But I mean, it seems to me that the way that the film is playing out with people is that it has uh, given them a reason to be inspired by Dune again. Um, I went to see the film uh, just before I left for a bachelor party I planned. So I went with like uh, like a stratified amount of like 17 other young men, not young at all. And, um, you know, some of them had read the books. Some of them had gotten farther in the six book series. Some of them had never read it at all. Some of them read half of it because they heard it stopped at a certain point. But the people who hadn't read it walked out going like, I, I want to know more. I want to know more about what's going on. Like, who is that? What is this? That question, those questions are okay for a film that was meant to be filmed in two parts. Um, um, yeah, but I, I didn't really think about that. Like to introduce people and to make them wonder what the fuck is going them. on. Yeah. I mean, but, let's, like, and, and, and speaking of adaptation, we could talk about what is probably the most famous adaptation in the history of film, which is the Lord of the Rings, you know, right. you have, which you have this, they, go ahead, please. Oh, I just think that they, because they did it the right way because they shot it all at once and, and they, you okay. Know, had, so they did not shoot it all at once, but well, they I know did, where but it was like going. the three years going. or whatever. I mean, yeah. they did basically the, the, the project was within the confines of like human life. They shot yeah. It as I mean, they shot they it. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't wait for like, let's make sure that the first movie does okay. And then we'll be like, okay, we'll do the second movie. You know, so like, what you just explained is the way a studio usually does a film. And what right. we're talking about with Peter Jackson is literally the biggest fluke in the history of cinema. Well, but I also feel like that that is how you would do like a giant story because if you think about it like the lord of the rings 
we don't see television as equivalent to movies really. But like, if you look at like a big age, we do kind of, but like, I I don't think people necessarily understand that like each episode of like game of Thrones is like a few million dollars and in and of itself, like a huge undertaking. Undertaking. And then you have like 12 of those or how eight, I don't know how many there are per season, but like, that's like multiple movies all at once. And I think that's what Lord of the Rings was doing, but then they just like released it in film. Well, you you also see production, you know, when you're watching a high-end kind of like, uh, it's not TV, it's HBO level uh, show, you know, you're still like, when you watch Game of Thrones, really pay attention. It is an unbelievably beautiful show. But it's a beautiful show because yeah. the parts where they have to be fancy are few and far between. It's a it's a show about politics. You know, it's a show about people right. talking in rooms. And then I every know. once in a while, they just throw hot dudes against each other. It's just why huh. didn't they make that? Do- why didn't they have a so, be that? Well, uh, what, what, I'm a great, to, what I'm trying to say is that TV show. If, you, if you go back to Lord of the Rings and you look at Lord of the Rings, um, Peter Jackson got approval to to produce and make the first film. And then I think it was like something like halfway through, he got approval from the studio to say, yes, we're going to do all three films. You can film two and three together. You know, they felt, they felt healthy about it, but that is a tremendous fluke. He shouldn't have gotten that opportunity. It, it was not his time to step up to that level. Luckily, he's such a great director that that wasn't a problem. You know what I mean? He's made good movies since then. And people don't give him enough wow. credit because he did Lord of the Rings. But the fact is, is that Jackson got something really special out of that. But if you were to go back in time and watch the first Lord of the Rings movie and stop where they stopped, you would have been like, I don't like that. I don't like this at all. Uh, this is not good. This is bad. Boromir just died and they're just running across a field. The greatest battle scene almost probably ever shot the fight between fucking... Vigo and what's his name? Lurch. That's like the, uh, that's the best. It's so good. Cause it's shot in like the beautiful sunshine and it's not dark. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, you can see what's happening. I get your point though. I, in terms of like where yeah. the, you would be, you would be massively miffed if you went and saw the Lord of the Rings and, you know, and back then it wasn't like you were getting all that information so readily from the internet. Yeah, like we didn't know. So there was a time where people, I'm sure, saw that film and were like, what the fuck, man? Like, is there, that was, I mean, that was cool, but what the fuck? You know, like, and it's, it ultimately ended up being, you know, maybe the, maybe the best, like the best adaptation maybe ever done. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to argue that it's not maybe the best version of what adaptation should be, but I've read the Lord of the Rings and I don't like high fantasy. I've read the Silmarillion. I've read mm-hmm. the Hobbit. I, I read the, I I read read the encyclopedia. Too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've read those books and I can tell you right now, if he would have filmed those books more literally, <laughs> I would have spent so much time being like, I don't give a fuck about Tom Bombadil. I want this. To I don't care on. about the rocks over there. Yeah. Okay. Like, they've, they've been, you know, look at the Hobbit there. He literally had to stick because of those three move Cause he had to three movie it again. He had to stick them in that tree part where they're stuck in the tree with the orcs for like, 25 minutes yeah it's terrible it's terrible and you know what i like the hobbit movies i think they're fun 
I think they're really, really fun. And I think that um, further elucidating the relationships between these characters and, and, uh, and giving the, giving a pretty scant and kind of boring novel by today's standards, a little bit more life and love isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it makes the mythology in the preceding three films, uh, richer makes you feel a little bit more connected. There wasn't anything wrong with it, but I do know that those three movies are not great. I'm aware that they're not great films, but I don't think of them as some sort of major failure, you know? Right. Um, so it's, it's hard for me because I think that Dune <laughs> is, is a, is a nice coming together of, of a massive pool of acting talent. Um, an incredible director, an incredible composer, a, a really good cinematographer and, uh, and a nice mix of practicality and CGI. It's a film that was treated with love, but does not have what people like us require from it to be better than just good. No, I do think though that, that, that I don't even expect it to be something incredible. I, I just, I think that it was. I think even, that's literally your platform though. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think don't that it think could So far your podcast has three episodes dedicated to literally <laughs> what you just talked about. Right. But I don't, I think, I think maybe <laughs> more so the point should be like, I think that it could be like an average film. And it, I just think that. It, if I could convince you both. I don't think, think we're going to average. I would, I would walk away tonight. I would. I would go to bed tonight eating probably a California burrito and watching Midnight Mass high as fuck and happy. If I could get you guys to say it is a perfectly passable film, I would be super stoked about that. I know that that's not going to It would happen. be if I didn't know anything about doing it. I, it would be a yeah. movie that I could watch. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and not you, I, care I, like it's about what happens yeah. and not really give a shit. I know this is and, impossible, actually, but if you guys could remove what is such a I wouldn't like it, them, really. Wouldn't I like don't know. I don't think I've, I've, I've thought I don't about think that a lot. So. I think that if I had gone to see Dune and had not read Dune, a it's, I'm not, it's impossible for I can't, well, I can't separate it. And what I'm saying, what I, yeah, what I'm what I'm saying ability. is, I if I could if I could really pull because I saw Arrival before I read the short story. Arrival is one of my favorite films. Like for me, when I read the short story that Arrival was based on, I found myself feeling a higher appreciation for the film than I did for the short story. And I'm curious because I'd like to see what happens to the general public when they go to read Dune. I think what really will happen is there would be most people who will go in expecting that they're going to deal with some sort of like quasi war action film about, about warring houses and find a much deeper and nuanced experience out of it. You know, but I don't think a lot of people will, will read it, read beyond the first yeah. part because it I is- don't think that's true because if you get on audible right now and check their bestsellers, it's like four Dune books. I know. Yeah. Four Dune books and like an Alex. You can't Jones check book. it out from the library uh, on like audiobook at all for there you go. months and months. There you go. I mean, but, listen, there, we don't, we don't have to defend Dune the novel. Frank right. Herbert wrote six nearly perfect books. He interspersed in them every single thing, every single thing that makes humanity what humanity is. There's a deep faith in human beings becoming better than they are. It's like her. It's like the film Her. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, her is a sci-fi film, but it's a sci-fi film about what would happen 
if humanity stopped being fucking assholes. I do. Yeah. yeah. I, but if I we all started like, being accepting. Oh, by the way, you, also shot by Hoyt Van Hoytema. Don't you think, though, that like Dune, like Denny Villeneuve's Dune is like the duty free perfume that you uh, would like? Like a like a 7-Eleven perfume salesman? <laughs> No, yeah. like you're at like the, in the airport. parking lot coming to your car. Hey, man, what's no. up? Cops in the no, trunk. No, no, no. I gotta, no, I'm just trying to get a Gatorade. I, no, Powerade. I'm sorry. Chase, no, Powerade. It's, I would even it's say a better it's product at a cheaper price point. It's something more like it's the duty free. It's like you're at the airport. You're you're in the gift shops. It's like you just want to buy some shit, but you don't want to pay the taxes on it. That's the duty free part of it. Gotcha. So, but I think it like kind of taints it in this way. So for me, I don't know what it, it's like, you know, we could have like an artisanal fragrance made by, <laughs> uh, you know, an individual who. Uh, Eugenia, I got to tell you, I'm, I'd like to see what kind of life you live because I'm, I'm, I'm literally, as soon as we get off here, I'm just going to drink a fizzy water and eat a California burrito. I don't, your life, your life sounds awesome. Well, just, I just buff chess players and five hundred dollar tasting plates. <laughs> okay, um, well, no, 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 I, I, no, I, <laughs> the McRib is back, and I want diarrhea. Um, no, uh, Eugenia, I, I, I get a double cheeseburger, no onions, large fry, one large Coca Cola, and if I'm in the mood, a McFlurry with M and M's. Oh, um, that sounds good. Yeah, but the McFlurry machine is never working. Literally to the point where the FC or whatever that business organization had to like do an investigation as to why McDonald's machines are constantly <laughs> broken. It really is a thing that's going on. I love that. It's it's the one of the most beautiful. Bureau? Yeah. Well, it's not, I, no, no, it's not the BBB. It's like some sort of federal. <laughs> well, I was going to say the FCC, but it, it, it does start with the FDA. Ad. No, I will. Food and drug administration. You no, know, I mean, I guess that would be who it is. Yeah. But, you know, this is but, the farming. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some sort of like you know, some sort of body of government that is supposed to be like, why aren't you guys serving ice cream, ice cream when you said you would? But um, no, I, I, under, I, understand, I understand what you mean, but I think like, for example, my friend Roger Ortiz went with us to the movie and Roger had not Roger. read. Yeah, yeah, you remember Roger. He's the best. He's my, he's my, my best friend. I, Kyle was there too, my other best friend who just got married two weekends ago. Um, but, uh, but Roger had not read Dune. Um, I've talked to him about Dune a lot because he's also a pool guy. I'm a pool man. And he, uh, we have like a daughter, we have daughters in the same age range and our wives used to be friends from high school. So we have a deep connection and we talk like four or five hours a day. So he knows everything about Dune because I don't know if you can tell Eugenia, but I talk a lot and um, yeah. And you know, and I, I pontificate. But poor Roger knows everything about Dune. But when I when we went to see the movie, when we got out, he he was kind of indicating to me that the film had mesmerized him, but not held his attention. Mm-hmm. You know, he he felt like he had seen like an art film. But and Roger went to school for film in New York. He he knows what he's talking about. He has like a mm-hmm. he has a strong grasp of the form, uh, just like you, Eugenia. You know, so it's. It's um, I when he gives me an opinion, it holds weight. And he said, I, uh, I, I, I was never bored. I was always curious to see the next shot. I was always curious to see the next part. But I am more curious about where this will end up going when it's done. And I think maybe an attitude of health towards 
the sequel really bringing together what you're looking for is probably the best I can hope for you two to even try at, you know, but you won't be talking about it until 2023. So at this point, I think we the might, real, and the, yeah, the world might be yeah, over. But. I mean, we might not even have a government <laughs> by then. You know what I mean? Um, I'll be roaming the wastelands like a Cormac McCarthy novel with my daughter and a baby Bjorn. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, it's, it's like, you know, you, you end up, you end up in this thing. And like, I, I know for a fact that I'm not going to change either of your opinion, but what I do know is that I was entertained. I, I felt a deep, I felt a deep appreciation for it even existing. The adaptation now has made Dune in my mind better. Uh, it's made Dune something that I can put even more, uh, more of my own mind into because I have I, less cognitive ability is going towards me being like, what does a no ship look like? You know what I mean? Like, what does a, you know, uh, what, a, you know, I, I, I like thinking about that. Well, stuff. that's, that's fair. And, and it's not like I'm not some, you know, it's not like I'm not a creative. I, I care about being able to put my own art into other people's art, you know, in my mind, especially when it comes to reading. But uh, Dune was always very rich in my mind either way. And, to tell you the truth, a lot of Denis Villeneuve's film um, already communicated a lot of what I thought Dune looked like in my own head. It, it, was, it was filled with the artistry of part of my imagination. And it's another reason why when I watch the film, I feel as though Denis Villeneuve had something special in his mind. And it might not be a perfect film. It's definitely one of his lower half of the tier films. But it is not. I think so much of that is something that Eugenia and I will never. It's going to be a barrier between us because both of you, you and Denny, have this prior experience that involves mm -hmm. video games and other media that mm. pulls from Dune so much. Like you like all these other things that he's a much yeah. older Dune. He, he's an older man. I would doubt that he has a deeper connection based around anything other than the book, just judging from the media he consumes, um, from what I know he enjoys. But you, Maybe. you I just saw but I mean, I guess more extreme reaction. You. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's like fair. to you and other people like yeah. you who like this movie for those reasons, I will never have that connection to that side of it. Or you have a very different version of Dune in your head because it's been colored by all these other yeah, mm -hmm. things, all this yeah. other media that I have no, no hey, background in. My version is like solely just my own creation. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get, I get that. You're you, you've had a sacred cow, like it, its throat got slit right in front of you, and you're not yeah. going to stand there and act like it wasn't like a big deal, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I completely understand that. And like I said, I, I, I know I can't change your opinion, but what I can say is that. Um, when you guys deride the film as like being like completely bereft of artistic talent or completely bereft of like vision, it's, 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 and I'm, and you know, anything is subjective, but objectively, these are people working at high levels who care mm -hmm. deeply about what they're making. It not fitting your mold doesn't necessarily negate it. Um, and, but that, but that's too easy of a criticism. I, I'd love to have more to tell you, but right. I had problems with the film. I had issues with delivery. I had, um, I, I didn't like that Sardacore warriors were killing Fremen, 
But like I like I've told people before, it would be a very boring film if it just if we just found out at the two thirds mark of the movie that, oh, actually, the Fremen are way more dangerous than they thought. Every Sardaukar dies who even in, comes into contact with them. You know, um, uh, that's ridiculous. They're way more powerful. They had to kill Fremen in the film to keep the drama alive, which is which is completely, in my opinion, antithetical to what the Fremen are, which is, you know, death planet warriors who, because of hardship, are an unstoppable killing force, uh, a jihad headed for the known universe. What Sardaukar were meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the other thing that I think would be maybe... The cultural issues? Well, just... No, I mean, I think kind of like maybe it's sort of this obvious... Uh, um, kind of offset between us and between how we are consuming this movie is, you know, we are Dune girls and you are Dune man. I'm a and Dune dude. I mean, the, yeah. the dude that the male perspective that the Denny Ville news is very really, different. Yeah. That, that maybe we are, we're seeking like different things entirely. And so like, you're looking like, for like a femininity in the film because well, of the matriarchal even, concept of Dune. I don't even maybe? think it's that. I don't even think it's that literal. And when I say I, femininity, I only mean I mean in the sure, most. No, we know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean in, in the, the most stereotypical way that's not like meant to deride no, female but kind. I, you know, but, but I, I do think that in this way, Denny Villeneuve, he has like because we talked about this like just a little bit in the first episode, kind of like his fan base, similar to Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. is, you know, predominantly sycophantic and male. Yeah. Well, and just, and heavily male. But if you think about it too, like those are the people that are going to see movies, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the main moviegoers are like men between the ages of like 18 and 35 or whatever. Huh. So yeah, that's fair. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think that dichotomy of- is changing more, but yeah. Well, but we're not really the target audience. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But, you know, ultimately Dune is a film or Dune is a book series about women, you know? Right. But I would say that, that don't you think that this, I don't know, this movie to me kind of like comes off as like coded as like old spice deodorant or something. Oh, like there's a dick, (laughs) there's like kind of a bro-y dick swagger to it in your mind. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. Like the whole like Top Gun like Gurney, <laughs> okay. Duncan, okay. and yeah. you know, like that, all of them walking together, like joking that is another around. Part. Like that is not okay. So that's there's not Dune, man. That's like wait, wait, a bro wait. movie thing totally, that you guys totally. like. I understand. Yeah. I understand completely because you're looking for the mental maturity that is in Dune, and what you're seeing is like a kind of like like buddy cop camaraderie going on. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But but I always envisioned. Gurney and Duncan and uh, Leto. I envisioned them as these people who were stalwarts of of good standing, um, a uh, uh, calm and understanding leader, uh, a perennial hero. But when the cameras, so to speak, are off, these are just men who are, and I, I say men, but I mean, these are just people who are happy that they get to be ethically strong, morally correct, and, um, and run things in a way that is meant to be full of love and full of life and full of hope, um, while other members of the Landsrat are completely, a, a completely antithetical concept. 
So when they have fun with each other in moments that are not necessarily meant to be too extreme, you know, when you, when you watch the, when you watch the, when you watch the Shaddam's representatives land, it's this beautiful Nazi formation, you know, this like, yeah, which is like, well, I mean, come on, let's not, let's not, let's not beat around the fascism bend here. here, All right. Okay. Lance's not made of great people. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Uh, But I think here too, maybe it's also more abstract um, than just like the fascism or the, no, 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 just the, just the, the kind of the, the, just the male perspective versus like, you know, the, the male gaze versus like the female gaze. Right. I kind of feel like maybe Alex and I just being coded as women growing up forever, every day, you know, we, we're kind of like used to a level of scrutiny that perhaps like men kind of can like, we are bringing to this that are, they, it's not them to exist or to, to yeah. be taken seriously and we in anything kind of, and we yeah. <laughs> it, like internalized it in anything that we do. So yeah. We reflect it onto others because yeah. it has hmm. been done to us our entire lives. Okay, and there's so, no yes. way for me really to well, not do that. Just be like, Oh, well, no. yeah, no, just do whatever you want. It's fine. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, I'm, just glad, I'm glad that male, I'm glad that male get, guilt strikes again. So no, <laughs> no, but no, it's, it's not, not pervasive in everything. But it's not even to say, I don't know, to to kind of like throw away your feelings and thoughts about the film. I I would almost say it just it it would then they're would very beho- colored. It would behoove this. us to acknowledge that, like, yeah, you know, our perceptions maybe, are different. Of yeah, course, like yeah. a different set of criteria, even, but not even not even necessarily criteria that that register on like a conscious level. Yeah, we're you not. Know, this is not a these things. Th- this is not a real credit for me, um, because it makes it sound like I'm like doing this thing where like I have black friends. No, no, but no. I am um, no, 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 no. Listen, I what I'm what I'm saying is like, what I'm saying is that like I've always been considered to have a more feminine energy, as long as I've been a male human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always communicated with my emotions when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, I think a little bit better than some of the people around me. But don't you uh, think that that's what Denny Villeneuve would say? Uh, I, I I think that I think that plenty of people will pontificate about what their personalities are rich in. But what I mean more about that is that I've always had um, I've had a deep connection to my emotions in a time when if you said somebody like said to somebody in the nineties, like, I don't, you know, this makes me uncomfortable. You just be called the F word. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I've, I've, I've coped with that. My favorite movie for a long time was eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, which is is not a cool, not a cool movie to tell people. Favorite director. (laughs) Right. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's another, yeah, well, there's another example of, uh, you know, uh, of modern directors being, curtailed into weird spaces. Uh, Gondry went on to direct an alien film that was bad um, yeah. by, by, by the standards of alien films. And David Fincher's first ever independent film outside of Syndicate, which was his uh, music video pro, uh, company, was Alien 3. You know, um, there's a, there, is, there are paths ahead for people who, who see what a movie can be over just like some sort of studio 
uh, spit take, like just throwing things out. And, and I think I'm just trying to emphasize to you both that while this movie is not some spectacular masterpiece, I believe that what it's working with is incredibly good. It's, it would be a shame for it to be discounted just on the face of it being, having to be a movie that has to follow certain rules that film follow because when film goes off the rails, you get amazing stuff, but you also get people sitting around trying to figure out what the fuck Mulholland Drive is about. Sure, I do but think though. So I do. Good th- yeah. I know it's good, but it's well, that it doesn't it doesn't mean that when you watch a David you Lynch have, film, you don't walk away going like the fuck. Um, right. So yeah, no, but I get so okay. So I think that that maybe we've landed on something that we can like kind of maybe conclude with because I yeah, don't please. really know how we will. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know stop. that. Well, listen, but, if if I could just, well, I'm so sorry, Eugenia. Please go ahead. No, no, no. Just more um, to say that the idea of coming at this film from like a sort of gender construct split between we're going to approach it as like your average man going to go see a Marvel movie. Like this is, this is like encoded in his very being. Like this is something that he feels like very comfortable with and is happy to sit down and and engage with. And, and maybe like, isn't, isn't hyper aware of like all of the things that are happening necessarily because he's, been hailed right to use the all to Sarah like I'm kind of getting into some theory which I shouldn't but but you know being put in that position just from birth culturally you wouldn't necessarily be seeing the same things and I do think for some reason Dune Men, men dumb, no, no art. No, it's not that not, just, no, it's not that men are dumb. No, it's not I'm that kidding. at all. It's I'm it's just, more just teasing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's more just that like I would say even like the like stylistically kind of like that barren sort of ultra modern, like sleek, like empty sort of steely color palette. Yeah, like that is well not this movie, but yeah. Well, sort I mean it is steel, it's still I mean, steely. I mean the interior the interior shots are that way, but the problem is, is that most directors who go with that kind of green tint, you know, the David Fincher green tint, part of the reason they do that is because it's easier to hide how much computers come into play. You know, if you like uh, Alex and I have talked about this before, but like if you watch Zodiac, you know, Zodiac yeah, has more CG of- shots in half of yeah. the film than the entirety of the Gareth Edwards Godzilla remake has yeah. entirely. It's, it's, you know, when people put their money towards, towards trying to trick us into believing you're somewhere, uh, you know, they usually have to do a little cover up and luckily Steely is an easy way to do that. That's another thing that I criticize about Dune, which is that parts of the film look unbelievable, but because of the brightness of the film, there are moments when I'm like, this is a very obvious CG moment. And I have to just accept that if I see some of the stitching, I have to feel the same way I do about when I see stitching in a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like I have to accept what I'm doing, what I'm dealing with, but, but, you know, you talk about this kind of dark dreary thing, you know, it's, it's 
built into these directors just vision and it's passed down by the greatest directors in history. You know, it's, it's the Hitchcocks. It's the, it's, you know, even 2001 is a, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bright white palette, but there's a lot of steel and a lot of darkness in it. There's a lot of moments. But it, but it doesn't, I think it doesn't function. I think the difference though, between like a, in a, a legendary filmmaker and just like a good director is that like the reason why Stanley Kubrick movies are what they are isn't because he's like relying on a color palette or it, it, it moves beyond you wouldn't even I mean you talk about color palette but it, it's not like any definitive aspect of of the film whereas I think like when we talk about like Denis Villeneuve movies he does sort of like marry himself so closely to kind of like, yes, this orange sky blade runner, like this, this sort of like one thing. Cause I, I I really don't think that he's strong in all areas and I'm kind of getting off track, but yeah. um, But really what I, what I wanted to say is that when you look at this movie compared to the David Lynch movie, and I think kind of like maybe what we were able to, say in the first episode is that like David Lynch is a director who is sort of like very thoroughly based in this idea of like refusal. Um, he's not explaining anything to anyone and he doesn't, Yes. he, you know, he's putting you in this position where he's giving you all the elements, but he's not moving further in terms of he's like not telling you how to put them together and how to interpret it because he does not care if it aligns with his interpretation. Right. He wants you to interpret it how you do that, and that to enjoy is it in that way. Absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But what we're and talking to go ahead, please. Oh, I just think that, 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 that element, just that artistic element isn't, is missing um, from the Denis Villeneuve movie, not only because it's a Denis Villeneuve movie and I don't, and I don't think that he is the same kind of director. Um, but I also think that it's a film that has to fill all of these other blanks of like, needs to be commercially successful, needs to follow like a certain structure. So general audiences can follow. And there's never been a film that somebody didn't want to be a commercial success. Right. I mean, you don't go out necessarily. And this is why we talked about in the first episode, why Dune shouldn't be a movie is because it it deals so directly with so many ideological like ideology, you know, to be and to be afraid to make something because because you're worried that it'll be conceived as like some sort of cheaper version. I'm sure there's been some of the greatest art in history ever made where somebody was going like, you're just trying to get your fucking painting in the salon at the very bottom. You know what I mean? Where people can see it right when they walk in, you fucking asshole. But that doesn't make the painting any less significant or filled with love and art. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't. I think that, I mean, one of my, I think probably top movie of all time is Jaws. Yeah, that's And that's a movie. And, you know, Steven Spielberg is a director who is, very much of the people and for the people and has defined like a lot of made the blockbuster. Right. And, and I, and I see full artistic uh, relevance and, you know, email you a Blu-ray copy of the BFG. (laughs) 
and of Ready Player One. Yeah. Uh, Schindler's List. No, Schindler's List is good. <laughs> I just, I just, anytime you talk about him, you gotta, you gotta say Schindler's List once, or he burns up in a fiery flame. Um, no, I, uh, I, no, I yeah. understand. I understand what you mean. There, there are intersections of directors where um, there's commercial and artistic success, you know, but that isn't necessarily because that director has the perfect vision for how to make those two things work because plenty of directors who have been those people in other people's minds have become gigantic train wrecks. Steven Spielberg is a good example of that. He doesn't really know where to put his feet anymore in the modern film because, you know, he's, he's kind of stuck in a weird loop where he wants to make art films. And then he comes along and does something like Lincoln and knocks it out of the fucking park. And you're going like, where was that guy? I've missed him, you know, but then he does BFG and he does ready player one, which by the way, there's only one book in history that I've ever truly, truly hated with a passion. And it's that fucking book. Holy <laughs> shit. That book is terrible. I listened it to it. Three so bad. Times. I listened to it at three times speed. It was just Will Wheaton being like, and here's another reference from the eighties. 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 My um, cousin that I went to go live with for three months yeah. forced that book upon me so hard. And I read it and I was just like, oh my God, no wonder you are the way that you fucking are. That movie sucks. You love this. That movie so sucks, much. but is oh, I, so it was, much, it is so much better than the book. You know why? Because Steven Spielberg, garbage. Steven Spielberg turned it into a basic film which is a lot of what's been happening yeah. here in this conversation for us too. But, well, I, but I, I think, yeah, I, think I, I, Dune, I know. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I just think that it could have been a more basic film and it could have been better, but it was uh, for some it, reason. I, it, I think the problem is, is that the real thing that you guys have the biggest problem with is that it is kind of basic. It lacks. Well, yeah, it's basic, yeah. but it's, it's not even, it doesn't even want to be like, yeah, it's basic. I would rather it be like, this is just the it's, most basic shit, you know, it's, but it, it's a Jennifer it's trying Aniston to hide itself form. as being something different than yeah. a basic than a Marvel movie. Right. Yeah. Then it's it, instead of just being like, yeah, you're right. This is a fucking we're trying to like make money and use. Well, this, they're like, trying to make money, but they're really he's trying to make a movie. You know, I mean, they're trying to make right, money because yeah. they want to make more movies. Movie. Right. But, he, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, I, I. I don't know, maybe it's my age, but like uh, you guys posted on the Instagram about the Dune casino or the the slot machine. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, this is fucking. And I, and I saw, by the way, I saw that all over the internet. People were like, this is, this is like heresy, but you know. I just want to go play it. Yeah, I do too. A, <laughs> I'm going to do that. But B, do you think that Denis Villeneuve like sat down in a room with the ad executives for this film. I'm sure like, he okayed this shit. I mean, I'm he sure knew. he, I'm sure he okayed a contract that said, we're going to do merchandising and we're going to give it across. It's going to go across many places. I think and that this I'm is, sure he didn't go like, I'm sorry, is this a slot machine? Go no. fuck yourself, WB. Right, 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 right. So, and I think that that's kind of where we, again, have this rub is because I feel like anybody who has a connection to the text of Dune that is more significant than just like, yeah, it's a cool story that you would like in your soul would be like, no, like, Uh, I don't even want to asking, you're asking a, you're asking a creator to do much more than the creator is trying to do. You're asking, you're asking somebody who's a creative to like 
meet a certain goal or else he can't make a thing. And right. he made it and it's good. And not it's not even easy. meet a certain goal. It's just well, like, he, he you, made know, the, you don't want to you know, go against like the soul of the story, like write your own fucking I, story. I think I that guess. the soul, I think the soul is there, but I think that you're just not happy with the artistry of it. I, uh, you know, I, again, I think that the film would have been better if it would have been focusing on Leto, like do something interesting and different with it, like make it a film about two parents who have embattled themselves with a big problem because they have a son now who is like, uh, is like supposed to be the most important human being ever born in history <laughs> until he has his second son. And, you know, and then, and then, uh, you know, you could call it like Dune, Leto's journey, whatever the fuck you want. Uh, there are plenty of things that he could have done. But the truth is, is that he took the most basic form of what this book is about, the most, the most boilerplate versions of what makes it a narrative, put it together, got some of the best people he could get to do work with it. And it's come out, if it's, if it's not an unbelievable film, it is at least a good to great film. And it's, that's kind of playing, that's playing out in, and I know again, public consciousness is not a huge indicator of quality all the time, but occasionally it can be. And I think that this is an indicator that people are enjoying what Dune has to offer at its most base form. Um, they enjoy the way that he put it to film. And I think that people will also really love to watch it get concluded and find out what the real breadth of the story is about which is about one man's ascension to godhood as he drags the universe into hell in order right. to better in order to better humankind but i know? i don't think that well you are very optimistic about like what the future films can achieve so um yeah i mean i think that that you know we're going to have to just agree to disagree it was I think really, that sounds like it's going to be the case yeah i think I mean, but I do, I, 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 you fucking assholes. No, I mean, I get what I, I no, I'm get, fine being no, that I way. Know. Like, oh, I, I truly think that this is just Alex. always going to be about us having uh, this need to want it to be better and different. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's fine. That's and you are, I, it, you can love it. And I don't hate you for it. I don't think that you are any less of a Dune fan or anything just a different- for liking it. I'm just a, I'm just, yeah, you're just a dude, I'm just, I'm just a dumb. No, no, no. Austin, you are one of the smartest people that I know. You are an intelligent person. Thank you. You are not stupid for liking it. You just have different tastes in movies and media in general. And that is completely your prerogative. And Mm -hmm. this is what this always will come down to is just us like splitting hairs over the things that we love. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. totally get it. Um, I, you are both obviously very intelligent people. Um, Alex, I've known you since I was 14 years old. Um, you know, uh, you're both, you're both dynamic, interesting people. I've gotten to know you, uh, Eugenia Moore, and, uh, you're, you know, you're very interesting. You're both wonderful. And, uh, I don't feel like I, you know, when I listened to that, the two episodes before this, I certainly had moments where I was like, what the fuck guys, like calm down. But it wasn't ever like I was screaming into my headset as I was on my way to dig a dead rabbit out of a pool. You know, I was just like, <laughs> I was just, I would just have these moments where I was like writing down things like, wait, you, you already don't like the title card. 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like Jesus yeah. Christ, way to, yeah. way to, way to put it? the pearls before swine. But no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. And I know that doesn't necessarily apply to Denise Dune. But again, I cannot emphasize enough that adaptation is not supposed to usurp the original text. It's meant to enhance. Yeah. And, um, and if you're And asking, you think, yeah, that this enhances Dune. To me. To, to you personal, and to like a whole bunch yeah, of new people. It also a very opens, large audience. I am happy that I see a lot of people, like I saw a lot of people on the internet going, holy shit, Dune was awesome. Go see Dune, you know? That's, that's nothing but a good thing. Um, it is not Denis Villeneuve's best film. And, and Eugenia, I don't think you've seen all of his films, right? No, I haven't. Alex, so you I, don't watch movies. So that's a complication so I, with this conversation yeah, for you. So but, I need but, to hear. I've I, said like I would, eight words this entire two hours. I, I'm sorry. I would, Eugenia, I would no. suggest to you. I need to watch his movies. Yes, You're right. I think. I think you should watch Arrival. Yeah. yeah. I'm just mad that I can never make it and I will never have the opportunity yeah. or the skills or the knowledge yeah. to ever fucking do it. And it's not how I would want it. And I'm mad about it. Yeah. If, if, if I could summarize my thoughts, it's, oh, it's a caring, well put together film that is uh, more meat and potatoes than I'd like to admit. And there are some shortcomings in it, but it is far above passable, nearing into great, but never, ever going under good. That's where I'm sitting with this. This film, this film uh, put to life a part of one of my, maybe, maybe one of my favorite things that's ever been in my life, which is Dune. Um, yeah. it, it, gave it, it gave it its most basic attempt. But in that attempt, I think he accomplished what we're looking for as moviegoers. And I'm okay with that. And yeah. I, I am excited to see what else he's going to do. You know, um, and I think that I think that it's a film of quality. I think it's a film of fun. And I think that it uh, I think it's going to have legs well past its release, especially after the second film. So that's kind of where I end up sitting. Guys, some questions real quick. Okay, oh, well, that's my next question. I know people know how you guys feel. They can listen to the first and second episodes. <laughs> that's how I feel about the film. I don't know if I defended it well. I don't know if I just meandered. But I, I would like oh, to say I that, that. that the, I think the movie is worthy of your time. I think the movie is going to go down as one of the better sci-fi films made in this part of the decade or even the century. And, uh, and I think the second film is going to be, well, I mean, there's not a lot of sci-fi being made now. It's a century. Well, oh, we shall name, see. Anything like this will have a deeper place in its genre because mm -hmm. the genre has been abandoned except for the most dangerous people who do you guys want to play fade who do you want to play shaddam uh the fourth well i have to tell you about this article i read right before we started that uh suggested that jake gyllenhaal be shaddam and that tom holland be fade and i that's do not understand the world that's two very at bad all yeah it, it would be that's just that's just celebrity I, stunt casting in people's hearts the truth is, it is would that be so awful. I know, I know exactly who should play Shaddam, and I've told. I think I told you this earlier, Alex, which is Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen should be Shaddam the fourth. That would be a great Shaddam. Yep. I, I was yeah. thinking a lot of gravity. For, he has a very regal face. Um, I really like. Uh, hold on, I think he's kind of maybe too old to play Fade. Hold on, hold on. Who did I say? Oh, I said Ralph Fiennes. If he, but he's too old. Ray, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. What do you say, Ralph? Rafe. Rafe. Um, yeah. Rafe. 
It's weird. He's too old. Yeah, he is too old. That's unfortunate. But it has to be like a character actor at this yeah, point, I think. Period. Like yeah. what I said, like Crispin Glover, like something you know, weird. You know who would be a good Shaddam? And people wouldn't like this idea, but uh, the eponymous Michael Scott. Oh, like, Steve yeah. Carell? Yeah, Steve Carell, yeah. <laughs> Foxcatcher made me realize that he can be- oh, he's uh, great. No, he, he's he a, a good he can be a a dramatic t- character. And he's also friends with Timothy Chalamet because one of Timothy Chalamet's best movies is uh, is a two-hander with him, a beautiful boy. Okay, so, yeah. So, and then I think for Fade, I really, I like um, Brendan Gleeson's son, Donald Gleeson. Uh, um, um, this, is, this is maybe a he's little- He's like a little ginger guy. This is maybe a little. Uh, oh, what is his name? Uh oh, uh here he I'll look it up. You would do right a now. good fade. Show it again, please. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don, yeah. Uh, I know exactly who you're Donald, talking. Yeah, yeah. Donald yeah, Gleason. He's Donald Gleason was uh the main character in Alex Garland's uh, Ex Machina. He's really yes. good. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good. And yeah. So, oh, that's right. He's also the guy in Star Wars. Yes, he is. Uh, in Harry Potter too. I forget. He's Star that. Wars he's guy. that kind of like boring he's ass cap villain. Yeah, General Hux. Yeah, Hux. That's right. <laughs> this is going to sound weird because I only remember him from Twenty Two Jump Street. But Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell should be Fade Rotha, uh, which is he's Kurt Russell's son. Wyatt Russell would be good. Oh. He's he's light haired though, so that would okay. be a complication. But yeah, he's oh, I a, see it. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's an age appropriate actor who has actually really good range. Mm-hmm. Um, he his first big role was Twenty Two Jump Street, and he really did that a great movie's... job. It's very funny, it. and he's very funny in so it. So funny, but I he see was, it. I definitely see yeah, it. He would be a very good choice. He would be a very yeah. very good yeah. choice for it. I think. I never. I think I know, but you isn't it going to be that? It's going to be that weird. I don't Dude. think it's been named. I don't think anybody's I, I, been named. Hasn't it? I, I no. think it's it's no, that guy. I looked it up today. I didn't Denny, see Denny refuses to talk about it in interviews because he, he doesn't want to get anybody worked up. Mm. He's He says he has a Give short list. To work with. Well, he says he has a short list, so we'll see what happens. But mm. um, I'm excited for part two. Uh, oh, what about Irulan? Anybody have any thoughts on who would be Irulan? I think. No. I think you could probably do. I don't. I mean, who's I don't think it needs of to like, be. A, I don't think it needs to be. She's not. She's sort of just oh, like. It just could gonna, be a breakout role for a new person gonna, that. Just gonna write I mean, well, but in, in, in the first in the first book, yeah, Irulan is feminist. sort of a thing. But she's not. A, she's <laughs> a non-entity in Shut the up. first book. I mean, she's only in the second book. Is kind of what you. What are you talking about? She opens every chapter. No, yeah, she does. We get it's, none she's, of that. she's not. Yeah, I know. She's in not, my in my head, that's who it is. You know, <laughs> um, I know. It's just because like that to me is like the perfect well, Dune exposition is for Jimmy well, Madsen being like, Drew. You know, the time yeah. is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know what. I guess they should probably just recast Zendaya also as the princess. Everyone, <laughs> yes. have her be like, just like, just make people be like, what the fuck. It'll just be like a Doctor Strange love moment with Peter Zendaya Sellers. and Zendaya. It's like Zendaya is <laughs> playing like t- three different characters, but they have completely different makeup and she has either, totally different accents. Either way, <laughs> e- either way, Timothy Chalamet is going to give it to her. Oof. No, I'm Oof. sorry. I'm just, I'm just No, I mean, it's I true. Know, I'm just teasing. Yeah, but uh, this was super fun. I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, you know, my favorite character is, is one, one Senior Teague. From chapter oh house. yeah okay well what so, do you, who is your favorite character before chapter house uh <laughs> i don't really like anybody in the books because what? well here's the thing nobody's a hero 
You know what I mean? Nobody's, uh, you know, I, I have Lito a very. Too. Excuse oh, me. No, he's not though. I have a. Excuse I have a deep, me. Guys. Lito too. Guys, guys. He's the Lito guy the that saves the human race. No, he's the guy who enslaves the human race to make us well, better to, and breed a To nose. save them. I'm, I, in the I effort under, to save them. I understand. But there was also a bunch of people in history who were like, I don't think you understand. Once I conquer everything, I'll make it better. Uh, you know. He did. Yeah, he, he did, did. but no. he subjugated humanity for thousands of years. Right, but that was the only way. Would it have I, been possible otherwise? That's fair. I understand. But what and we're talking about. And he also about, gave up his own humanity. Well, congratulations. He, became, he had to worm to become out. A, to become a he perennial, to become to a perennial, uh, like omnipotent god. He I also out. just really love how Frank Herbert becomes like such a sex freak in towards the <laughs> end. Know. And it's oh, like, yeah. it's, it's like the sex freak starts really hardcore well, heretics. Yeah. But also we'll talk in, about that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. in God Emperor for just sure. Like the, but I just, just the Madres coming out of the diaspora being like, we just fuck till we get power. Yeah. And like, <laughs> we can, we'll like, you know, when yeah. I don't know, like one of there's like the moment where it's like, oh my god, this Duncan Idaho is like, he's fucking me, like to yeah. the point where like I yeah. don't know what I'm doing, like what well, the yeah. hell? You know, um, uh, I mean, Herbert was married <laughs> to his wife, his second wife, uh, until her death just after the film, and then he got married to another younger lady. I wonder if maybe there wasn't some, there was some influence you know, there. like fucking maybe they maybe they had a. <laughs> Maybe they had a, a weird Wonder Woman, the creator of Wonder Woman thruple. You know, you never know. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure for Herbert also later in his life when he wasn't a copy editor at a newspaper. You know, yeah. he was probably like, oh, being rich and famous. Maybe maybe sex became more of his thing. As well, he got I do older, think that, you know? that those sex is like a deeply. I mean, obviously, the well, most yeah, it's part of being thing. human. So yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that but I do come also in. part of it. I but, just but, love to, but like, know how Lido is like the very, he's like the biggest dick in yeah. like in actual <laughs> reality, right? Like he's like a penis, literally. Yeah. He's a giant like worm. Ascension he is a, he is a phallus. Yeah. yeah, yeah human, sure. pe- human male. Like he is the biggest dick in the entire universe. He's a rich because wiener. He is. Yeah. Right. But then, then with Hui, 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 Hui Nori. Who's like been constructed to be his to be like, perfect for him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he, really he but she, fuck her. she's also she's also based so around somebody that God. he's in love with that is male. You know, right? I mean? Malky. Yeah. There's there's a there is yeah. an omnipotent kind of sexuality yeah. throughout all of Dune. Eugenia, Alex, thank you both so I much both. for having yes. me. In. I love you guys. You are this was wonderful and fun. And uh, I'm gonna <laughs> Dune go. Dune girls signing off. Mm. Signing Dune off. Girls. Bit ma. Bit ma. Bless the maker, Bless the maker and, his, and water. his water. Oh shit. Do I Bit get to, do I have to do one? No, you, no. you mean no, okay. you don't have to. Okay. For girls only. For girls. Oh. Bit ma. June girls over and out.